0: Today, the Below Average Joe's MMA show present the weekend preview. And we have a trifecta of Mm. cards to go over for you today, not only for our beloved UFC, but also for Bellator and one Mm. FC along with it. We'll go over everything on these three cards, what to be on the lookout for and also, we have some fight announcements, and Dominic, PicoGrams are back in the headlines. Huh. All this and more, and it all starts right now. Welcome back, everybody. Thank you for joining us. It's episode 269. I am one half of your hosting duo. My name is Noah Baker, coming to you from the great state of Indiana, yeah. the man to my right. That's Dominic Lee. He's coming to you from the great state of Ohio. Dominic, maybe I should have said temporarily coming to you from the great state of Indiana. Because, folks, I just got word. Work said, we're cutting your rotation early. We're sending you back to Ohio, baby. Hmm. Me and Dominic will be back in the same state, yet we will be further apart.
1: So. That is actually true.
0: <laughs> so I guess uh, – hmm. I don't know. It does feel it feels a little more like a reunion in some ways. Though, yeah, but, it does. It um, does. We, will, we will be further apart somehow. So, um, but yeah, excited, uh, anxious, a lot to get in order. April, I will be back in Ohio. So there will be a new background mm. um, when that time comes. And I'm kind of thankful for it. I really don't. There's a lot of things I just don't like about this room layout. It's been really hard. I, I mean, it. it is a tug of war, Dom, to keep the, um, the, the, tractor. I guess, closet. Oh, well, no, <laughs> I'm trying to point at the closet over okay. here. Okay. Trying to keep the closet out of frame and the window out of frame. Ah. So it has been a struggle. And I also like having the tractor sign yeah. in view. Right. And I mean, we got a bed frame in the background. I mean, it's, it's a whole mess <laughs> yeah. uh, in, in here. So. And while Dominic's just got everything, the P's and Q's, I mean, he's <laughs> he's got a skateboard that he'd have no wheels on it. I mean, yeah. what's going on there? True. So, Very true. I'm um, excited, nervous, but you know what, what keeps me leveled, what keeps me grounded, Dom, mm. It's that I get a bunch of MMA and combat sports to watch on the weekend. Mm. And this weekend is no different. Faith, in it's maximizing mm. the opportunity to watch MMA this weekend. Three cards we're going over today (sighs) Bellator one UFC. Mm -hmm. And if you're a boxing fan, you got multiple big cards in boxing, including our beloved Jake Paul taking on Tommy Fury. Yep, over in Saudi Arabia, actually.
1: Okay, okay.
0: So, Dominic, it's uh, I did a lot of setting up here, but how are you doing? I do like to know. Um, it is been great weather i'm sure that bodes well for the battling for bogey boys so how's everything going
1: things are going really
0: well yeah we are slowly but surely getting more and more of
1: those spring type days here which has been good for the battling for bogey fellas Uh, we've gotten to record a few times had a couple 18 hole outings it's always a blast there's really nothing better it's like i have the two perfect things in terms of like my hobbies Uh, in life, and it's doing the MMA show, which means I get to watch all the MMA and talk about it with you, and then there's golfing, and that's golfing with the bros, and both of them, conveniently, I get to share with everybody else, so it's quite a beautiful thing. Life's good. We had a great, fantastic, over-an-hour-long conversation, off-recording as well. just felt good. We just needed it. We needed each other's energy and vibes. It had been a little while since a long talk, and it was wonderful, and now we get to talk even more, and it's all about MMA. No, we've not had a trifecta. In quite some time. So this is going to be fun. Big fights. Big implications. I'm ready to rock and
0: roll. Man, I love to hear it. If you guys want to know more about what me and Dominic talked about before we started recording, just imagine like two guys just verbally abusing each other for an hour. Right. I mean, just basically spitting on each other. Like we were just spitting. Precisely. Like, because we were so mad. Right. But that's, that is the key to a healthy relationship, people. Yes. You know, I I work with a guy who sleeps in separate bedrooms from his wife. And they say that's the key to being married for as long as he's been. And I said, you know what? The proof is in the pudding. So anyways, let's move on. The Bellator 291 coming to you straight from Ireland. Yeah. Main event for the welterweight title. Yaroslav Amasov is back. Hmm. He is back. He will be taking on the interim champion, Logan Storley. Now, Dominic, obviously, we are talking about MMA here. We're talking about a sport, and I know it's a cliche to say it, but there are some things that are bigger than sports in this world. Mm -hmm. And Yaroslav Amasov's absence from the cage is due to one of those things that is bigger than sports. He is, of course, from Ukraine, uh, born and raised. Ukraine, of course having a lot of issues with Russia, Mm -hmm. you know, have you, if you watched any news, I'm sure you've heard about it. So he, you know, much to his credit as a man decided to step up and go fight for his country. Mm -hmm. So he's been on, he's been over there fighting for the Ukraine, Dom. I mean, that's just crazy. It's the amount of balls on a guy like that. Yeah. Uh, It's something that I would just never be able to comprehend. (laughs) Yeah. But even though that is obviously a bigger than MMA thing and you know, there is no slight on him for being away for the time he's been away for. It is a point of interest in this fight that Amasov has not fought for the last couple years. And Mm -hmm. now he's coming back here to fight a man that he has actually already beaten before in Logan Storley, but in a very razor thin close decision, and one where I think if you look at how far each guy's come since then, I felt like Amosov was already that dude back then. He's Mm -hmm. still that dude today. Logan Storley had a very specific and narrow but elite skill set, obviously the wrestling. I think since then he has improved on his well-rounded game. There's some fights where you don't really see it. His last fight where he won the interim championship against Michael Page, Mm -hmm. literally – very controversial in nature because of the whole – this is where the debate about scoring was huge, yeah. and we're talking about damage. And Logan Storley did not inflict a ton of damage in that fight, but he did uh, sort of take down mm-hmm. Michael Page at will and held him down, um, dominated, put the position battle, if you want to say. So I do think, though, that doesn't really tell the story of his improvement as a fighter. Mm-hmm. You, you look at the fight he had with Neiman Gracie where he – Uh, even though Neiman Gracie is not a great striker either. Storley used his striking to win him that fight and looked pretty good doing it. Right. So with these factors in mind, Dominic, how different is this fight the second time around? Or not necessarily you saying that the result will be the same, but is the fight really the same fight when it's all said and done? Are these two going to look to do the same thing and it's just a matter of, whichever guy is able to get the better of the other for the majority of those five rounds.
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I think it's just hard to answer because it's been since June of 2021 that we've seen the champion, the undefeated Amazov fight. And I'll tell you the one thing that I'm actually really intrigued with, and that's because we've got two grinders here, two guys that will go the distance, went three rounds with each other to a very close split decision. Now we have five rounds. So what is that extra 10 minutes going to do? Is it going to allow them to kind of finish things? I can't remember specifically in terms of it being a split decision, how razor close um, it would have been. I'd have to go back and watch it, of course. But I think that that is going to play a big factor here. And we're talking about someone in Storley who since that loss has went three and zero. he has fought three times during Amazov's absence and looked really well. Like you said, he's had, Improvements and also areas where it's kind of just been kind of a stalemate, like the Michael uh, Page fight. But overall, man, it just feels like Storley is coming into his all a 14 and one record that only lost to the champ Yaroslav, 26 and 0 at 29 years old. <sighs> I'd like to think that we will see something different from that first fight. But then again, I just feel like we have two guys that are so good at what they do it may be another kind of drag it out war. Now we get 10 extra minutes. That's kind of what I'm at least thinking right now.
0: Tell me if I'm wrong. Logan Storley only has one loss in his pro career, yep. right? And, yep. and it was yep. Amosov. These two have a combined one loss. I mean, this is about as of elite of a fight as you can get in Bellator. And yeah, we've probably said that before with uh, AJ McKee and Patricio Pitbull, but in, in terms of smaller scale and, maybe not necessarily feeling like a, a, a super huge legacy defining fight. I think this is about as elite uh, as elite can get in terms of Bellator. Mm-hmm. And that is a lot of credit to Logan Storley and the improvements he's made. But make no mistake, Dom, the A side of this fight, the favorite going into this fight, the deserved favorite, is in my opinion the best fighter in the company that is Bellator. Mm-hmm. And that's Yaroslav Amosov mm-hmm. We have said time and time again, undefeated for a reason. That's something we've always said. And then we've also seen the the reverse side of that where, you know, what last week's card, um, forget right. Hussein Ashkabov, where he was 23 and mm-hmm. 0 and, you know, competed somewhat okay with Jamal Emmers, but lost a fight. Um, mm-hmm. And he was kind of a guy who had beat up a lot of guys that had no records and below 500 records, whatnot. I think, it's very rare to see an MMA, a guy who is 26 fights in and is undefeated mm-hmm. and ask you, and you have to question it a little bit, but when you look at his resume, Amosov is as legit as you can get in terms of an undefeated MMA fighter. Mm-hmm. You know, is he necessarily at the level of a Habib or a? I know John Jones technically has a loss, but I'm going to say John Jones. No, but Right below that, in terms of his credibility as an undefeated fighter, yeah, I, I put a lot of stock on his ability, right. and especially when it's standing. I, I think he might be the best striker in this entire company. Yeah. Now, welterweight's an interesting division because the UFC have really great welterweights. Kamara Usman was the number one pound-for-pound fighter for a long time. Mm-hmm. He gets knocked out by Leon Edwards, who's now sort of taken the throne, and we'll see if he's able to hold it. But Dominic, even though I I can't say with confidence, Amosov would compete for a welterweight title or win a welterweight title in the UFC. I do think that. I, I, how do I say it? I I believe he would be in the mix. In oh the yeah, UFC. and 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 I that may for other guys, other champions. You know, at one time we talked about A.J. McKee, like a guy who could compete mm-hmm. perhaps for a championship in the UFC. That is a big credit to Amosov, even though I can't quite go all the way and, and make the headline of, oh, he is a champion level fighter no matter what company he's in. Right. It's sort of we, – we have to see him build on the resume a little bit. but Of course. Um, this is as high level as high level MMA can get in Bellator – and I do implore everybody to make sure you watch this card because you don't get fights like these often, and Bellator sure as shit ain't going to tell you about it. So that's what yeah. our job is, Dom. That's what our yeah. job is do
1: I got on the the uh, script for today to get everything ready in the studio, and I, I did find myself forgetting that Bellator's happening for a moment. That and, uh, For a guy that is all about MMA for years and years, that's a problem. But this is a great fight. They deserve to have their eyes on him. It's cool too, like, you know how crazy that crowd gets in Ireland. Mm-hmm. There's nothing better. There's there's not many things better in MMA than a Bellator card in Ireland. Those fans there are absolutely insane. It really does make you wonder what it would be like if the UFC to, were to return there. But I like that Bellator's kind of, they've kind of taken that region, in Europe specifically. They're going to Paris again later this year. They go to Italy. They go to Ireland multiple times a year. Good on them. We need more promotion. But this is an incredible fight. Again, 40-1 and one combined record for these guys. And Amazov, more to the point of undefeated for a reason, 7-0 and 0 in Bellator, that gives me really good confidence in saying it for him specifically compared to some people we've talked about lately. So this should be fun. And it really, truthfully, like the winner of this is definitely, I think, in the discussion as like a top five welterweight in all of MMA right now. I think so.
0: Okay. I, I, I like that adding that stakes to it, Dom. I didn't quite go there. I wanted to, but I'm glad you did because I do think that this fight matters in, in that way. Mm. Welterweight's a very talented division, so it's hard to, I mean, it's, it's you know, the the, the difference between two and 10 is not far. Mm. So to say that the winner of this fight would be a top 10 welterweight in the world that just doesn't have quite the pizzazz to it, even though it does mean something. Of course. So um, if there's one thing or two things actually that I can give Bellator credit for that, they I think do better than the UFC, quite frankly, that might be a stretch, but I do think they're in breath. They're one of them. They definitely do better, but what you said about them embracing sort of being the MMA company, of europe and really hitting that european market hard they're constantly going to dublin they make it a yearly yep. tradition you know they go to london they go to paris paris is a yearly thing yep. for them it's always something to expect and even things like hawaii like yep the, the second year in a row they're doing back-to-back shows in hawaii yeah i think that's great hit the areas that the ufc neglect yeah you know what dare i recommend be the company of the fucking Midwest because Please. we've been neglected more than any of these people have been. Yeah. I yeah. sidetracked there. Yeah, of course. I think that even if they may not do it better than the UFC, because when the UFC nailed it, the London cards last year. Oh, yeah. It's... I mean, they they really And obviously Australia, they were just that. But Bellator, I think, does a really good job of, you know, from what I hear, guys like Pete C. Carroll have talked about this. When Bellator, Bellator is some, in some areas of Europe more recognizable to the casual MMA fan than the UFC. So I think that's a real credit to what they're trying to build in sort of making the European market a focus.
1: Hmm.
0: The thing I think they really do better, Dom, is taking these guys who, again, are prospects, but like guys with no professional experience at all, and building them through their ranks, you know, just giving them fights, giving them experience. Oh, they Guys do. Like. That, that is something that Bellator has done really well. And there is talent throughout this card that represent that. You got the younger brother of Zabit, uh, Kasan Makamed Sharipov, on this very card. And he is like a minus 1100. Yeah. And that's something that Bellator also does. But it's okay because he is young. Right, He's what, 21, 22 years old? Yeah. He's still growing, developing. You know, they're just giving him experience right now, and eventually he's going to end up probably in Bellator fighting some of the top guys before we know it. Here in a couple of years, it happened before our eyes with Usman Nurmagomedov. He's now the champion.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, literally that's what AJ McKee was too. Every professional fight that AJ McKee's ever had has been in Bellator. <laughs> it's crazy. They, they do that very well. You're right. They do that a lot differently than the PFL, obviously, and, of course, the UFC. They'll find these young talents, like, on the amateur level. They've even been having amateur fights on their cards over the past, like, six or seven months, um, and that's probably the reason. I don't know if anybody's seen this card. There are 18 fights on this Bellator so- card Saturday, so it's going to be a long day of fights for them, but it's awesome because there are so many... Young prospects that you know didn't do anything huge in LFA or build a name, but they're in Bellator and fight number one or number two, and it's still incredible opportunity for them. So yeah,
0: first fight of the night's Kasan, yeah Kasan, uh, Muhammad Sharipov. So yeah, yeah, tune in early if you want to watch a guy that could be a future champion. Exactly. Uh We have more on Bellator 291 to come. But let's move into a little one action, mm-hmm. Dom. This will be happening Friday night, 8 p.m. on Amazon Prime.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It'll be a rematch in the main event. Oh. Some some have said there have been some whispers, Dom, that we have been neglecting our coverage of one a little bit over the last few months. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Hand up. Hand up. We are men that recognize when we have fallen short and we'll admit we've fallen short. Football season really grabs you by the balls. Yeah, it does. It, does. it does. So, you know, I think that we should be given credit for admitting that. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're here to make up for it now. Of course. So to make that they're running it back for the Bantamweight title, which is now vacated, mm-hmm. similar mm-hmm. to a Charles Oliveira situation at UFC 274, but also different and i'll explain with a little more drama (laughs) a little more just messiness and drama yeah um back in october i believe you said um john lineker and Fabricio andrage were supposed to fight in the main event of one of the other one on prime cards um john lineker the champion of course knocked out uh a one legend and bibiano fernandez i believe that was on that one x card Could be wrong. It was around that time frame because we were Mm -hmm. really hitting our one coverage at that time. Right. And uh he had one of the knockouts of the year, especially for one, uh, with his knockout of the veteran Bibiano Fernandez. So John Lineker, you know, UFC veteran, got always been an exciting fighter. But what's always been his Achilles heel, Dom? The weight. The weight. It's always been an issue for him. Yeah. So they go to weigh in, of course, you know, one has their hydration test. John Lineker missed weight. Yeah. So then Andrade is the only one eligible to win the championship. Okay. All that right. has to happen here now is Andrade win the, win, win the fight. And then, you know, we we can ride off into the sunset into tomorrow. You know, right. it's uh, no right. harm, no foul. Well, he starts off great, starts off hot. We get into round three and then... Oh, boy. An inadvertent nut shot ends everything. No contest. Yeah. And now the belt is up for grabs. Uh, Lineker stripped due to his weight miss. So we're running it back here. So I don't think this fight can be any worse than what we got last time due to the way (laughs) things ended. It was a fine fight before that. But due to all the controversy, the weight miss, the the way the fight ended, i don't see it being any worse this time around yeah and i do think there's something to be said though that we're recording this before i believe john lineker is weighed in this time and this is true and i mean i believe he has the record if if you go for the ufc or tied him and olivera i believe have the most weight misses in ufc history which i hate yeah. to say that about my boy olivera like that, yeah but. yeah for Lineker, this could you know potentially be an issue for him. It's so interesting. This is a guy who fought at 125 pounds at points in the UFC. He's now fighting at 145 pounds. It is their bantamweight division. Due yeah. To the, you know the hydration rules and stuff like Mighty Mouse fights at 135. You know. Right. So in a way, it's like he would be fighting at 135 pounds in the UFC if you want to do it. The math like that, but that that could be a real factor in this fight. What kind of John Lineker are we going to get here? Is mm-hmm. he going to make the weight, but is he going to be super, just drained from right. the weight cut? And this is a guy in Fabrizio Dom, who is super talented, twenty-five years old, eight and two. He looks like the real deal. He was winning that fight yep. against John Lineker. So, what do you kind of see happening here? Because obviously, I would hope we're not going to get what we're going to, what we got last time. But, I mean, what can John Lineker really do here to even things out considering he was on his way to losing his title before, in a way, sort of uh, him throwing an inadvertent nutshot sort of was to his benefit in some way. So uh, how do you expect things to shake up this time?
1: Well, first and foremost, make the wait, please, John. It's weird because before that fight he had went – Forno in one, no weight issues, at least that I can recall in those first four fights had finished three straight via knockout going into that fight with Fabricio, So it really felt like, and I even remember having that really funny clip from a while back where I, the moment of silence thing that I did, it was really awkward and embarrassing, but it's a pretty funny moment historically for the show. Um, He was on a tear and we were talking about how awesome it was for him to be having this resurgence and becoming a champion and all this fun stuff. And it's crazy how this one, really two moments, I guess, but combined a weight miss and a groin shot kind of erased all of that positive momentum that he had. So I'd like to see him right the ship, right the wrongs, get back to his winning ways in one. But you're right. Fabricio is legit, man. And he's been on a finishing streak himself. You said that he was winning this fight before the illegal groin strike happened what can John do i don't he's always gonna have that power hands of stone for a reason is what they call him but is he going to be able to land that on a guy that's much quicker much younger at this point in his career a guy that's probably not going to struggle as bad with the weight in and Fabricio andraj I don't know man I'm kind of getting a feeling that the young gun may be able to do what he was already doing in that first fight and he maybe even put a stamp on it this time that's the vibes i'm getting
0: you know what's weird though. I'm. I agree. I agree with pretty much everything you said. I do have to make note though that Dominic did remind me of just the the one of the funniest moments ever. It's a good one. Yeah. Uh, I believe I said let's take a moment to recognize like just how the resurgence of John Lineker. Yeah. And Dom, I kid you not, guys, took a moment of silence. <laughs> What is usually reserved for dead people or people that are struggling with God knows what sort of uh, ailments in their life, Dom decided to use for a man (laughs) who was really at his peak in terms of uh, this resurgence. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, really, we should take a moment of silence now for... For, well, maybe we'll wait till Monday. If John Lineker <laughs> loses, maybe we then we need to do a moment of silence. I don't know. Okay. Okay. But, um I guess, Dom, now you kind of took me off my, my oh train it's of it's thought. in your head, yeah. Yeah. Um but I agree with everything you said as far as I do lean on Draj here. There is an element of we've already seen it, and outside of some Real just big, kind of what's the word? Um, outside of are making some huge adjustments, yeah, I don't really see it going any different. But, Dom, let's kind of look at history here for a second. If I can recall, there have been a couple high profile examples of fights that have gone this way where a guy misses weight, um, the fight goes on as planned. Or not necessarily Mrs. Wade. Let's let's look at the, 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 the fact that this was a no contest. Okay. You have a fight going a certain direction. There's a certain guy who is clearly winning that fight. Yeah. And then something happens, and the fight is either a no contest or a DQ or whatever, yeah. mm-hmm. and then they run it back immediately. Well, every time, you kind of go in expecting the guy who showed you he was the better fighter in the first one to win the second time. Right. But history lately... Has told us that may not be the case. I am thinking, of course, of the main event we saw for Bellator in Chicago, Vadim Nemkov versus mm-hmm. Corey Anderson. Yeah, first time why Corey Anderson was felt like he was close to getting a finish, was on his way to winning it all yep. the Grand Prix, the championship, all that he had worked so hard for. This was a former tough winner, a guy who had never quite hit through that glass ceiling. And then the second find, he loses, he loses. Yeah. Uh, Somewhat convincingly, I mean, it was somewhat close, but, you know. We talked
1: about Lineker making adjustments. Nimkov made all of the adjustments. So
0: The other example I think of, Dom, UFC, Pewter Jan, Aljamain Sterling, Mm, where Pewter Jan sort of dominating Aljamain on the feet, landing those trips, I mean, even not allowing any takedowns. Of course, the illegal knee, which was on Jan's, it was his fault, gets him DQ'd. They run it back, Dom. Algermain Lane's takedowns pretty convincingly. Mm. Uh, kind of wins three rounds without like I was sitting there going, Wow, I don't think Peter Jan's gonna win this fight. Like it was yep. kind of crazy because how talented I thought he was.
1: Right. So
0: obviously every situation is different, but because of that, it does make me wonder if we are so focused on Andrage perhaps being this is his moment, due to you know what we just saw when Lineker's body of work speaks more than what we've seen from Andrade. I mean, Lineker has quadruple the professional MMA fights that Andrade has. That can also be a dual-edged sword, though. It can work in your favor in terms of fight IQ, in terms of just, well, yeah, fight IQ. What you've seen, your ability to hone in on your skills and improve. Mm -hmm. But also, Dominic, it can be a dual-edged sword because that's a lot of damage you can accumulate. And obviously, the fight years... Yeah. matter more than the actual age yeah so it's a very interesting fight again i'm not going to bet on it because i think it could be a trap i think andrage could be i i am almost fading myself in my own mind that i see i, see. I, I am so like convinced that andrage is clearly going to win because i'm not convinced that Lineker's going to have a smooth weight cut i'm not convinced that he's going to be able to make the adjustments and that's exactly what he may do and it, like you said He's always got the equalizer, a guy who has that (laughs) one-punch knockout capability. Look at what he did to Bibiano Fernandez. I mean, he had that man out. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't even need to be up in the fight to finish it. Yes, exactly. He's always dangerous. So make sure to tune in to that Amazon Prime Friday. That's Friday night. Okay. Yep. Friday 8 p.m. Um, We will move on to the UFC. UFC third today. So how about that? I Mm -hmm. mean, yeah. You gotta, talk, you gotta give the titles their their place here on the, exactly on the so UFC Vegas insert number here, your headliner in the light heavyweight division. I mean, is this like the thirty-seventh main event in the last since the COVID era of the UFC? Is this like the thirty-seventh main event to feature light heavyweights or heavyweights? It's got to be up
1: there. I like that number, honestly. I mean, we, 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 we might have not, to fact check that and come back. Nah, Monday.
0: We have not got a flyweight, men's flyweight main event since Davison and Benavidez. That makes me want to throw up. Now, that's not including pay-per-views. Davison, of course, and Moreno. But still. Main 256 the month before. You had Davison and Alex Perez. But at since 2020, not a single flyweight main On event. On a fight
1: night main event. And More look at paper. the momentum that the the division's built during the last two years.
0: It's the best it's ever been. I mean, the best rivalry the division ever had. Davis and Brandon Moreno have fought now four times. The rest of their three, the rest of their series of bouts were co mains. Wow! Wow! We're gonna have to so, change that. That's a side note because oh, yeah. we do have a pretty good main event here. Nikita Krylov is your minus one seventy favorite, taking on. The number eight ranked Ryan Spann at plus 140. um, You sort of have to, with both these guys, you feel like you know so much about them already, and yet you feel like you almost have to throw out everything you already know. Yeah, Because Nikita Krylov, throughout his career, much against what I have said, infamously said, on one of our first episodes covering him, a finisher, an exciting fighter, a man who... Does not let things go to the judge's scorecards. Yeah. As and he he is obviously made the most of many of his opportunities because of that. And when he goes up against a guy like you, you look at Ryan Spann, who has sort of that same killer be killed mm. kind of mentality, five straight fights of his ending in the first round, which I'm sure Dominic kind of stole that point no, from. You're
1: him, good. Sure. You're good.
0: Krilov it tends to do well when he goes up against those types of fighters. It's the fighters that are, you know, a little bit smarter in their approach, some would say. Those are the ones where right when he's about to, you know, we've talked about this with guys like Neil Magny or Michael Chiesa where right when they're on the cusp of greatness, they fail. And I think Krilov's been around long enough to where it's happened to him multiple times.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: In the other corner, Ryan Spann i had been ready to sort of write off ryan span you know around the time he main evented with anthony smith didn't look great there even before that the fight with johnny walker on that uh colby covington tyron woodley fight fight night Mm -hmm. you know yeah he looked he looked like he might finish it early but then the way he got put out so quick i said you know this guy's a big dude he's got big power he's got good skills but he can't really take the punishment. He just seems to get finished too quick for a guy who kind of comes in like a bull in a China shop. That's a risky endeavor if you can't quite take a punch. So, yeah. Um, but then after his last win, Dom, he made a point, And his last win was Dominic Reyes, correct? Correct. Yeah. He did say, he said, honestly, I, I hadn't been taking this career all that serious. I hadn't really been training that hard, Yeah. but now he was committed. Yeah. So you kind of feel like the, these two guys come in here almost with a clean slate, despite we knowing so much about them already. And Dominic, you had made a point. I don't want to, you know, there there the, no decisions have been made for the below average bet slip. But Dominic had made a point to let me know he's leaning pretty heavily on that Ryan Span plus plus one hundred and forty. I want you to kind of tell the people why that is.
1: Yeah. So I. I'm not necessarily surprised that he's an underdog, but at the same time, I feel like this fight shouldn't be anything more or less than a pick 'em. I am shocked that Nikita Krylov is a minus 170 favorite here, varying across multiple books, give or take a couple. And I, I understand like the experience in all of the fights that he's had in the UFC. He's been in the UFC for quite some time now. He's fought a lot of top guys, very good competition, good wins. Good losses, not that there are good losses, but you get the point. Ryan Spann, though, has a great UFC record, but just nowhere near the competition. He's seven and two in the company. But when you really just look, especially in his early days, I don't know, man. I mean, I'm kind of looking again. Devin Clark, Sam Alvey, Johnny Walker, Serkinov, Smith, Kudalaba, Reyes. It's not terrible level of competition, but again, just I don't know. It's it's very interesting, but that post fight speech from him told me enough. That makes me want to bet on Ryan Span as an underdog here in this fight. And when you add in the fact that Krylov, and obviously, don't get me wrong, Span gets finished too, but Krylov's been finished seven out of his nine losses. And with a guy as freakishly athletic and strong as Ryan Spann at six foot five, built like he's sculpted like a statue, I think he's a dangerous man right now. 31 years old, just now in his prime, taking the sport serious for the first time ever. And you already, prior to taking the sport serious, I had a six and two record in the UFC. That's telling me a lot here. And uh, that that's really the main reason I'm not looking at the uh, experience of Krylov to overshadow the ability. And I think potential the, that I believe span has that last fight. And I know it's Dominic Reyes and he's lost so many fights in a row by knockout. I get it, but it, it did something to me with span. I'm like a believer in this potential mm. again. And maybe it's, it's that mixed with the way that light heavyweight is right now. We've got a lot of freshness up at the top. The championship's been trading ways for quite some time now, the past couple of years. Span's putting it together. I think he gets a big win, and I have to bring this quick fact in just because it's fun. Noah pointed out the five straight first rounds for Span. These guys have 66 combined professional fights. 57 of them have not gone the distance. So for those of you that are not wanting to lean a particular side, let's just say you're probably pretty safe to bet uh, not to go the distance and fight lines in this one too.
0: That's going to make a great clip if uh, that fight goes oh. to a decision.
1: Yeah, we've had a few of those in the past. <sighs> oh god.
0: I, I I'm still yeah, I get PTSD went for moments like that from my Prohasca. Oh, that's uh, a good to one. Share a, yeah. 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 Um so I've been a little more reluctant to get yeah. on the Ryan span hype train again. And all your points are very valid. I did feel a little something when he spoke after his fight, I did feel that I was like, Whoa, if this guy was not taking it serious, it was six and two. What? Like yeah. I did feel that. Yeah. And in this fight itself, I actually think the matchup is sort of to spans favor. And the reason yeah. why is not because Kralov is not a great fighter in his own right. He is. But when you have two guys who come in so aggressive, who come in looking to put away their opponents early and put themselves at risk of getting finished themselves to do so, I tend to lean for the guy who's got those athletic advantages. Yeah. And that is Ryan Spann in this matchup. He's bigger. He's probably faster, stronger, Mm. has more power the i do question his chin more yeah but yeah. you know i don't know the last time Krilov got hit by a guy with the power and size and um strength of ryan span yeah so t- i tend to just lean with the guy with those natural advantages like okay throw skill out the window who's the guy that you're gonna lean to if, if it's a street fight ryan span yeah. has that imposing figure that you yeah. just sort of go okay that dude, I don't want to fuck with him. Yeah. So maybe not the best way to do it, but in my mind, that's how it works. So I sort of do lean his way in this fight, but my hesitancy is because we're putting a lot of faith in what a guy said in a post fight. Yeah. In the cage, <laughs> emotional yeah. interview. And now he said this before really, I mean, maybe he was saying the lead up to that fight was the first time he's really taken it serious. Okay. We haven't really seen what he's done since then. Has he continued down that way? Yeah. For all we know, Mm -hmm. he sort of went, you know, this training everyday shit. Kind (laughs) of hard. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sort of being half I'm sort of half joking when I say it because I I tend to believe these guys are built different. But it does make me pause a little bit. Unlike what I've done recently with like Aaron Blanchfield, where I'm just like all in. Yeah. You know, with Ryan Span I'm taking more of your approach, Tom, where it's like I need to sort of believe I need to see it. And if he were to get through Krelav, that would be a giant step mm-hmm. for me in sort of coming to terms with the fact that he's a real player in this division. Yeah. Unfortunately for him, and this was the problem I had with believing in a guy like Jan Blahovic in the light heavyweight division. I've seen so much of him already, seen so much of his down moments, his agonizing moments. That it makes it hard to believe he can be more than what he is currently. And he's a top yeah. 10 light heavyweight in the UFC. That is something. Yeah. Yeah. But it makes it hard to believe he can really get to that top five, get the title contention, win a title. Cause that's yeah. really this win here, Dom, would put him at number six. That's what we're looking at. Puts him close. School. Yeah. So, yeah. It's a good main event, though. I actually don't dislike this one. Yeah, I agree. Um, I do like this. It's one I've slept on a little bit. Like sometimes when you get those main event announcements and under ones everybody's sleeping on, Blanchfield Santos and me and you were just like head over heels for it. This is one that I heard was announced. I was like, eh, okay. But then as it's gotten closer, I'm like, you know what? Mm -hmm. I think this is for one, going to be a violent fight. Yes. So that's never a problem. Right. And two, I think it does matter. It has stakes and that's what we want. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, there's more coming from this card, but we do have a little bit more news to talk about. And Let's start with the picogram discussion, Dom. This could be pretty short, or maybe we'll go for a while. But <laughs> um, I'm going to pull up, or on my phone, I guess, I'm going to pull up a couple of tweets just to give context to this. So um, a man by the name of Bo Hightower on Twitter uh, tweeted, John Jones should get reparations for his USADA suspensions given – in quotations, the science changed, unquote, and now tests under 100 picograms per milliliter are not positive anymore. Mm -hmm. None of his positive tests would be a positive under the current rules. His no contest against Daniel Cormier should be restored to a win. Mm. And then John Jones himself came out later and said, I feel officially cleared. There will be no asterisk next to any of my performances. It's good the rest of the world can see what I've known this whole time. My only advantage over my competition has been pure hard work.
1: Mm. See, I saw that tweet and actually was like, what happened? I never knew until I saw the script today. So I'm actually really glad you put this on here because I think this could go under the radar. I don't know if a lot of people know what happened here.
0: Yeah, I'll give credit. Morning Combat did talk about this, Luke Thomas and BC. So I, that, I, I had seen it on Twitter before that, but mm. when I saw them talking about it in the direction they went in their discussion, I was like, you know, this is a very interesting topic. And the part I want to focus on, Dom, is that whole overturning the no contest. Now, this is a maybe it's a trivial part of this discussion. It's a bit like talking pound for pound almost, like it's all hypotheticals and Mm -hmm. not something that'll ever actually happen. Like, let's accept the fact right now before we get into this. That no contest against DC is never gonna be overturned. Okay. Never. In my eyes, that it's never gonna be overturned. Right. I don't know if I mean you agree. I would no, I would be surprised if it did. Yes. Yeah. So with that being said though, Dom, the question I'm gonna ask you is should it be? Should it be overturned? given that the science has changed, given that USADA has now declared that tests under a hundred picograms are no longer positives in their eyes. It is no longer a, a, they have found now that that, that is too deep into the weaves. And I'm guessing some in some torn sort of verbiage, it's uh, it does not have a dramatic impact on your performance or your recovery or whatever, given that that's the case. Does that somehow vindicate John Jones for that fight with Daniel Cormier? Is he in your eyes now more of a winner of that fight? Can it has it restored the outcome of that fight in your eyes? Okay, so this
1: is where I'm viewing this. Should it be switched? Cuz I already said I don't think it will be switched, but I also don't think it should be switched because okay. the key words here are now. It's that's the ruling. This was when did that fight happen? 20
0: 2017.
1: 17, six years ago. At that point, it was still a thing. It was still a rule, and that's why it got overturned. So if it would have happened in 2023, 2022, sure, let's overturn that thing. It was He popped for it, but it turns out it wasn't anything significant under the current state of rules. Let's flip it. But this was years and years ago, so no. I don't think it should even be considered for being reversed. However, I remember the discussions during that time and how even Nowitzki was coming out and saying, even though he tested positive and it got turned to no contest, it really, what was it like one grain of salt in an Olympic size pool? I think I, I remember think that was, episode. that
0: was the discussion more for his uh, Alexander Gustafson rematch okay. when they moved the card like overnight to California. Okay. You kind of remember that? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. like that fight, even like at the time he was sort of cleared of any wrongdoing either. Mm-hmm. But the John Jones one is the one where he tested positive And it, it was not, I don't remember what the picagram number was, right? But it was under a hundred apparently. Yeah. And as was as it was when he fought Gus, Gus the second time. So yeah, because that discussion
1: Gus was like remnants of the DC. Yeah, so fight, that
0: so that discussion wasn't had at the time, but it is the same thing, Dom, what you're right. saying. Okay. The you know grain of salt into the Olympic size right. swim. Right. So continue.
1: So um that's the thing. So on, on the first side of the coin is no, I don't think it should be. I don't think it needs to happen, but it doesn't change. My view on his performance against DC in that second fight was never really hindered by the peak of thing. Cause regardless if it was set a win or a no contest, he had an incredible finish and let us not forget DC was actually started that fight really well. Like I I don't look back on that fight having any negative thoughts on either side of the coin. So it doesn't really change much for me present day today. But I think it's worth talking about and discussing, first off, to hear what you think and if there's anyone else out there that thinks yes or no on this debate as well.
0: So yeah. I mean I think this is unfortunate, of course. I mean, not that John Jones is someone that's A sympathetic figure like at all Mm -hmm. in mma i mean he's he's had his fair share of transgressions that we've even covered on the show and um i don't necessarily feel bad for him but i'm just saying that it is unfortunate that you know this is a guy who of course is the best of all time in my eyes Mm -hmm. and for him to have had that big moment at ufc 214 where he wins the title and then he stripped immediately afterwards and Again, I'm not saying he's worthy of sympathy, but let's be clear. A lot of the discussion after that was talking about what a cheat he was and how this ruined his legacy. And I'm not blaming anybody for having those takes at the time because you're only working with the knowledge you're given. Yeah, yeah. Now you look back on it and you go, "Oof!" like this is a guy whose career went a completely different direction in some ways because of that. And then of mm-hmm. course the gust bite, the pulsating effect and all that. Yeah. And, the card being moved overnight a lot of people i mean that really soured john jones yeah people forget now because john jones is very controversial now before ufc 214 dom he was still somewhat beloved like he was the he was the fan favorite against daniel cormier in that second fight yeah that's crazy (laughs) like daniel cormier is being booed at all the press conferences and john jones is being cheered like people people were
1: that excited to see him again
0: They wanted that redemption for john jones this guy who had had all these struggles yeah and this could be you know i one of my my favorite yeah like (laughs) hype video for a card ever where the fire and yes oh my god i i've watched it two nights ago because i put this on the script i was like you know what i'm gonna go watch it's the best
1: promo ever i think that's promo they've ever done
0: ever Unfortunately, you saw what happened afterwards. You're like, Well, shit. I mean, I guess yeah. it was all kind of for not. But to answer my own question here, I think it's a slippery slope because if you do it for him, if you restore this victory for him, I mean, what are we going back and doing it for every test that was ever given? And well, I mean, it's
1: like the marijuana thing with Nate D, yeah. or Nate that's, Diaz. that's been
0: that's been the biggest. Yeah. Detracting point as people say, well, what about Nick Diaz? Yeah. I mean, truthfully, if you're someone who believes that John Jones should have that victory restored, then you should probably also believe everything else. I mean, right. Right. it shouldn't be Can't just John Jones. Like it should yeah. be anybody else who had a test under a hundred and, and vice versa. tested positive for marijuana. And, yeah. you know, uh, so in that way it's like, I mean, are we really going to go back into history books and yeah, you know, Go change everything, much like what you said, Dom. I, the record never really mattered to me, like, it didn't matter that that win got changed to a no contest. I saw what I saw, yeah, exactly. John Jones won that fight with a beautiful head kick and follow Ooh. up ground and pound, yeah, and that was it. Yeah, I'm not saying Daniel Cormier had to accept it like that because I understand how frustrating it could be if you were on the receiving end of a knockout and then the guy that knocked you out test positive. But I've also come to to grips with the belief, Dom, that I believe almost everybody in the sport is using some form of advantage to, you know, help them out. I just, that's that's what I've come to. I've stopped souring on people because they test positive. Like, yeah, you got caught. You got to face the consequences of that. But I also don't really blame anybody for doing it because I think everybody does it. Yeah. It might be a simpleton take, but that's sort of where I stand. So, um, should it be? I guess no, because like it's just a reality that we should be allowed as a society, as a sport, to adapt to knowledge that's at, we right. should be able to grow with the knowledge at hand. Right. So, just but it doesn't because, change the past. You know, obviously the testing's come a long way, and I guess it got to a point where it was too good. Yeah, You know, we're, we're talking way back in the day when you had like guys that could, I mean, they were doing everything and weren't getting caught most of the time. It's just like, obviously we know that that, at that time, a lot of those guys that were not testing positive were probably on stuff. Yeah. You got to grow with the times. And I mean, yes, it'd be great to go back and change every little thing that's been affected by it but you know i just don't think people should worry too much about a no like i don't think people should look at that win, that fight as not being a win for john jones i don't think they ever should have right sure technically the record books said it's a no contest it's not a win but look at what your eyes told you he won yeah. to fucking fight right exactly <laughs> he's and oh yeah. on dc in my eyes i mean that's yeah that's all I agree. There,
1: that's all there is to it yeah
0: i agree now, I guess uh, I will say, though, that John, his tweet did kind of – like, I almost felt like he was leaning into it a little bit. Like oh, that, it had to have been. Yeah, that, that last sentence where he said, my only advantage over my competition has been pure hard work. And, dude, John has always been that way. He's, yeah. he's always
1: been this elite level of confident in himself. And he's not always shit-talked like everyone that he's fought. But he's always let
0: everyone that he's ever fought know,
1: I'm better than you.
0: He does have this way of like. He's so witty. He, he's very hard. to t- It's very hard to read, especially with text. But it's hard to read how sincere he is. Like when he was uh, tweeting about Daniel Cormier just like less than a week I'm ago. I'm so glad
1: you brought this up because I was going to hold back, but now I want to talk about it.
0: So yeah. So ahead. when he tweeted that and he said, you know, I will allow you yeah. to yeah. commentate my fight. And he had all these nice things to say, but yeah. then he's saying, I will allow you. I believe you are capable yeah. of calling an unbiased fight. Keep in mind, Daniel Cormier called John Jones' fight with Ovin St. Prue back in right. 2019. Yeah. yeah. And that was at the height yes. of their rivalry. Yeah. So it's just, it was so funny when I was reading that because I was like, man, I want to believe that John's like being sincere and they can kind of squash this in some way but you just like those little things in there you feel like they're just little digs just from the go i'm still the man and you're still below me
1: dude low-key i think john jones is one of the best trash talkers of all time um it's just in a different type of way but you brought up dc so i have to ask this question because i i very badly noah You know how DC does the sit-downs with fighters during fight weeks when he's doing a certain card, big pay-per-views? Over under 49.5% chance we see those two come together and do a sit-down. I want it so bad. I just got chills thinking about the fact that it's at least possible. I want that so badly. You think about the history that these two fighters have had with one another. Remember the sit-down they had with Joe Rogan in between them? I want a present-day retired Daniel Cormier, a returning John Jones at heavyweight to sit down and have a discussion regarding fighting.
0: So bad. So bad, dude. I'm going to say we get it? I'm going to say under. Okay. Okay. But I I don't want to burst your bubble though cuz I want to see it too. Dude, here's what I'll say. You know what? I'll bring it back around. I'm going to say under for this fight, but before John Jones's career is over, they want to have it. that discussion. I will accept that. And that's Always. a big, I mean, that's going out on a limb because some people think if John Jones loses this fight to gone, that, that that's it. <laughs> they think he's retiring. So, oh, man, that's a good point too. I've not even really thought about that scenario, but it's yeah. yeah. But you are right. You know, there, there is a world, Dom, where mm. at the Joey's at the end of the year that John Jones makes it as a nominee for the hot Mike award for tweets. Yes. It's
1: possible. Oh, it's possible. Very possible. Now. no,
0: Let's move on to some fight announcements. That was actually, I'm glad we put that on the script. That was that was fun discussion. Me too. Me too. So I'm just going to go through the fights per usual, and you can tell me what sticks out to you, good or bad. Come on now. April 22nd, it looks like this is going to be the main event of a fight night card. Sergey Pavlovich taking on Curtis Blades, a big mm, test good. for both guys. Yeah. May 6th, UFC 288. I'm uh, going to go out on a limb uh, and say this is the headliner. Could be wrong. It obviously could be a co-main, but I'm gonna. It's gonna be a five rounds, obviously, for the bantamweight title. Aljamain Sterling taking on a returning Henry Cejudo, the King of Cringe, two division oh, champion. Is back. Also, UFC 288. Dom Marina Rodriguez looks to get back on track against Verna Jandaroba, May 13th. Oh, Jailton Almeida looks to arrive on oh, the heavyweight scene as he takes on Biggie Boy, Jarzinho, Rosenstreich. And also on May 13th, um, does Mackenzie Dern have what it takes as she goes on up on up against a veteran, someone who's always down the throw down, yep. Angela Hill. Yeah.
1: That's and a hell way. of a list.
0: That's a good list. I
1: love all these fights. I think they're all very good. That's why we put them on here. But guys, I mean, Henry Cejudo's coming back. It looks like it, anyways. I don't see how that's not the number one fight to talk about here because it's a huge deal. He retired. It's been a couple years, but he's never quite closed the door completely. He's always been from the sidelines, talking, chirping about his return. And in his retirement, by the way, has become a hell of a coach. By the way, a lot of great fighters, Mm -hmm. including John Jones went out to Arizona and have trained at I that forgot camp. about that. And then yes. Davison
0: Davison's been trained. Davison with has him, been right? with Henry. Uh Zhang very, Wei, and, Li. Zhang Wei Li.
1: Lee. Wei Li. Lee. And you know, you look at Henry and all of his accolades, I think it's incredible that he can do these things as a coach. I think it's awesome. And as a as a job outside of being a fighter to have that in a gym is awesome. But this fight is very, very intriguing. Uh, very, you know, you look at these two guys, they're known for their grappling. What's going to happen when they get in there to the cage together? The storylines behind it, I think, are great. We're going to have a shit ton of cringy shit talk on fight week. You can best believe that, by the way. I think it's incredible, and it just adds to this upcoming schedule that UFC is cranking out. Is I'm telling you, I know that they always have a run each year with a big fights back-to-back-to-back, to back, but we're talking months on end with humongous, Fight announcements, title fights, big implications. the The thirtieth anniversary for the UFC <laughs> through February, and what we're about to get into looks like it could be one of, if not the biggest years ever. I and and not to mention Connor's coming back. This is a big year.
0: That's a good point, Dom. I didn't think about that. Where's Ronda Rousey's fine ass? <laughs> yeah, Ronda's, <car>. Ronda's <laughs> back. <better>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. No, I I love that main event, Dom. I. It's been something that's been amiss on this podcast. Something that really defined my MMA fandom before this podcast. I was a huge Henry Cejudo guy. Huge. Well, we,
1: we know how high you are on him as an all-time athlete.
0: Yeah, I said. I, I think I said at one point in time he was the best combat sports athlete of all time. Yeah. Dude, if you look at the acolytes. A gold medal, two U- U- UFC titles, defended both of them. Yeah, that's I impressive. mean I I was like I mean, you just take the three, you don't even have to talk about the defenses. Like just yeah, yeah. He has been the best in two way classes and he was a gold medalist. I mean, yeah. yeah. Who, has the, who, he, he, who has those? I mean, in yeah. combat sports. So I have been just huge on him in turn I really respect like obviously his all time status. I think he's one of the best ever. And that's something that I don't think a lot of people quite give him credit for, whether it's because they underestimate him due to the cringe. I get it. It is cringe. It's cringe. Don't get me wrong. But I'm able to look past it because when he's in the cage, when he's in the octagon, he's one of the best in the world. Yeah. Now it's been a layoff. And Dominic, as much as I love the guy, when this fight was being discussed on this show a few months ago, I'm pretty sure I said there was no chance that Henry Cejudo would be the next title fight. And here we are. So I really underestimated his ability to get this fight. I thought the UFC and Dana White they seemed to show no interest in really having him come back for a title. I didn't see Henry wanting to come back for anything else. But I'm happy it's happening. And truthfully, I'm kind of surprised Aljamain Sterling is taking this fight because he does seem like a guy. You know, you have some champions and fighters who are so confident in their abilities that they're almost blind, to, blind to any sort of bad matchups. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. guys that are just so confident when all the fans are kind of going, Ooh, I think that's kind of a bad matchup for him. Yep. Yep. And they just take it on and they believe that they're going to do it. And not that Aljamain Sterling is probably that much different, but he seems like a guy that's more aware Yeah, of, like, seems like so. he can sort of remove himself from the situation and go, oh, I have an advantage here or I am deficient here against this fighter and has sort of picked his matchups wisely to sort of maximize his value. Now, the win over Peter Jan, I still value Peter Jan as like one of the top talents in the company. So, you know, that says a lot. But Dominic, I think this is a bad matchup for Aljamain Sterling. I really do. Mm -hmm. Yes, he does have a size and reach advantage on Henry Cejudo, but in terms of the wrestling, which is where both these guys – excel 10 to go yeah. henry cejudo is the far more accomplished and technical wrestler and is alderman sterling going to win a fight on his feet how's he going to do if he's on his back mm-hmm. it's i think his best there is a world though where i could see him with those long limbs being able to do kind of what he did to Yon, where he's just able to kind of get a hold of his back wrap him up um and kind of hold him down that way. But I I really think this is a bad matchup for him. I think Henry Cejudo is fully capable of coming back off the couch after a couple-year layoff and winning that Bantamweight title. And Dominic, if he wins, I think he's looking at that 145-pound title. I think he's looking at moving up to fight Alexander Volkanovsky to become a three-division UFC champion.
1: Wow. I, I'd love to hear be a fly on the wall for the contract negotiations for this fight with Henry. Because you have to imagine, regardless, they're, they have to make him fight again. He can't come back, win the belt, and then retire right. again. I wouldn't think. But they said that about GSP, and he still did it. So, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> but uh, I actually think so, and that could be, I think, a huge conversation piece come May, when we're talking about this fight, recapping the potential outcome of this fight and what's next for Henry. Because he's already... It's it's already built in there with him and Volk. They had that thing backstage that I think we even covered on this show where they were talking about potentially fighting one another. So, uh, wow, who would have thought that Henry Cejudo could potentially be the man to be a three weight division champion over uh, other people?
0: What an unlikely story! I mean, to beat one of the best ever and Demetrius Johnson to get his first in a very close fight, and, and where his he went, so- oh man. I, the way he they, took out T.J. Dillashaw on that first ESPN card and beat Marlon Morais, who was butchering him with leg kicks early. Are you ready for a big question? So, oh this no. is so oh, – no. it is
1: February.
0: We should it's not be It's February. Don't this. do this.
1: Don't do this. You want me to hold off? I can no. wait. Go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. Good. I'm glad you said not to wait because I was probably going to say it anyway. Henry Sudo, two-weight champion, defended both belts, comes back. Beats Aljamain Sterling, wins that belt, goes up, fights Alexander Volkanovski, wins the 145-pound title. Is he the best fighter of all time? Yes or no? That's all you got to say. That's all you got to say.
0: I'm going to say no, but... But it can change in May. It clearly secures him as the best combat sport athlete of all time. Oh, okay. I
1: like how you saved it there. I like that. I like that. But uh, I'm I'm going to say
0: no because, I mean, John Jones, Anderson Silva, GSP, like, There is something to having a long, sustained run in a single weight class. Can I add a win? I almost almost value that more than the different divisions winning a title. No,
1: I agree. I do, actually. I do think
0: Henry's the best of the – well, him and, like, Amanda are the two. that, And even D.C. defended the heavyweight title. But in terms of, like – The best champ champs? Yeah. Like, I think Henry and Amanda and, I guess, partly D.C. have been – Good examples of that, so
1: yeah, it'll be interesting, man. That's a huge fight, I hope. And for what it's worth, I hope that they do make that the main event. They deserve to have a main event, I think. Those two guys,
0: I think it will be because the UFC has stacked so many of these cards the next couple months, yeah. Like, true. don't get me wrong, that's a great main event, but typically, aljo has been on like a co main spot, right? I just think that you
1: they're know, like out of title fights, yeah, like, unless
0: yeah. uh, they've still never announced Nunez Zaldano, right. That's true. That hasn't been announced. Yeah. So true. that could be a co-main under them. I mean, I do think this could be a main event for sure. Yeah. And we'll see where it happens. Let me also just put out there, we were just talking about John Jones and Surreal Gone. Um, I think this fight on April 22nd is gonna be the winner of that fight's first title defense. Pavlovich versus Blades. Yes. Yeah, I agree. I definitely And I agree with I know, that. I'm not sure if people are ready for that, but once John Jones and I think because we haven't got to John Jones Surreal Gone yet. Once that fight happens, whoever wins, assuming there's no controversy or some reason to run it back, the winner of Pavlovich Blades will be fighting for a title, I believe. And that's and there's no I'm reason. Gonna be to hap- I'm gonna for to be that happy happen. for whoever gets to that spot because yeah, both guys are are having their redemption arcs in the UFC. You know, Pavlovich had a long layoff, and now he's been knocking out everybody. And then you got Curtis Blades, who seemed like a guy who could not get past the upper echelon of the, or the power punchers of the UFC heavyweight division. Dare I say, Dom, Curtis Blades could be the toughest matchup for John Jones in the heavyweight division outside of like a surreal gone, you know?
1: Yeah. And I think we've even talked about that matchup, I think before on some sort of episode. Uh, That's a huge fight. Very interesting to see how that can play out because If Pavlovich can starch Blades like he's been starching everyone else, that's terrifying. But if Blades can starch Pavlovich, that's also pretty terrifying. So that's an awesome uh, fight there in main event for April
0: 22nd. Well said. Um, We will move on to the rest of the MMA weekend. We'll start with Bellator 291. Just a couple more fights I want to get your thoughts on, Dom. Co-main event, we'll see the number three ranked Pedro Carvalho. Quite the veteran at this point in the Bellator uh ranks. He's going up against Jeremy Kennedy coming off that uh pretty that win over Aaron Pico. But the more you look in the if you watch the fight, you know, Aaron Pico's shoulder just yeah. popped up at least early. It was a tough fight, but a big prove-it fight for Jeremy Kennedy for sure. He is a pretty decent favorite for this one. And I'll also throw out Peter Queeley's on this card, as he is one of to course. do on every mm-hmm. yep. uh, Irish card. Same with Sinead Kavanaugh. Yep. Yep. Aaron Clark's on this card. And then, of course, uh, Hassan uh, Magomed So, Yep. Um, Peter Queeley's taking on Bryce Logan. Anything about these fights that kind of stick out to you on the undercard? Um, I'm I'm just looking forward to, honestly, number three versus number five, Pedro versus Jeremy. Because
1: you're right. Like, Jeremy Kennedy got that one over Pico, but his shoulder was just so gone, essentially, in that fight. But if you look even past that wins over Emmanuel Sanchez, he has a loss to Adam Boric, who's a top guy in uh, in that division. I, I think, and this is a guy that has experience in the PFL. I didn't even realize it till looking right now for Jeremy Kennedy uh, from Canada too, in his prime 30 years old. I almost wonder if we can see him kind of get a big win. He's minus two fifty coming into this fight against Pedro, which I think is interesting being that, you know, rankings wise, I guess, and Pedro's coming off a win against Mads Burnell. So, I think it's actually a really good fight. Don't know if I agree with the line, but there's one way for that line to be proved correctly, and it's Jeremy Kennedy running through Pedro and putting himself in the top three. That's actually a really good co-main event.
0: I think very highly of Jeremy Kennedy. Now, I'm not sure if he would have been able to beat Aaron Pico if Pico's shoulder Mm -hmm. stayed intact, but I looked at that fight probably a little bit closer and just as a higher-level fight than most people were maybe giving it the credit of because... I think both guys have the capabilities to compete at the very top of this division. I mean, of course, he's ranked number four or five or whatever. Yeah. So he's, he's right there. But I mean, like, I think he can fight for a title. Like, I really believe that. Dominic, I know you said he, you mentioned he had fought in the PFL. Did you know he had fought in the UFC before? Oh, you know what? Now that you
1: say it, I am remembering it. That's true. So he
0: actually started 3-0 and in the UFC with the win over Kyle Botchniak, who uh, Zabit actually has a mutual win over. But Dominic, he lost one fight after that and then was gone. And you want to know who his one loss was to in the UFC? Enlighten me. Alexander Volkanovsky. Oh, so <laughs> this is a guy who was undefeated before going up against one of the best fighters of all time. Uh, well, now he is. But yeah. Um, You know, yes, at the PFL, things were a little more dicey for him. You know, he, he had some losses by finish to guys like Daniel Pineda. That got overturned, but um Daniel Pineda, also a good fighter. His only loss in Bellator has been to Adam Boric, who I still think very good, even yep. though he lost his title shot opportunity to uh, Patricio Pitbull, but that's nothing to uh, shame. But, no, I actually think he – I like him a lot in this matchup. I think Carvalho might be – I believe he's actually coming in on a win streak. But I I think the best of him is kind of behind him. So his spot I think is a little inflated in this division just due to what he's achieved already. Yeah. But I think he's actually about to start falling down a little bit. So it's kind of a great opportunity for Jeremy Kennedy – to push himself even closer to those title fight ranks, um, Peter Queeley's always in, in for a good fight. Um, actually, I, I like watching Sinead Cavanaugh fight because me too. She 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 just is a bruiser, man. And I mean, kill yeah. or be killed. And she's going up against Janae Harding, who's six and seven in her professional MMA career. So yeah. uh, that should be a quick. Um, and then you got those great prospects. Like I'm going to be watching early to see Sharipov and then and Mankara just to see the, the beat, beat right, right on TV, but, yeah, exactly. <laughs> just begging him to come back. So yeah, I think yeah. it should be fun. 18 fights. Um, I mean that's, that's insane. It's a little excessive. <laughs> that's a bit much. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, I'm not going to complain. There's never too much MMA, right?
1: Yeah, and then the biggest moment of the day, the entire day for MMA on Saturday will be Peter Queeley's entrance. So if you're going to tune in at all, tune into that part at least because yeah, it's gonna going to be
0: all awesome. Yeah. Just what a song. Uh, the rest of UFC Vegas insert number here, we actually got up four fights that I'll just throw out to you. Co-main, we'll see Andre Munez take on Brendan Allen, a pretty high-level <sighs> fight there in that middleweight division. We yeah. also will see the return of Tatiana Suarez – She's coming into the women's flyweight division. Dominic, I just crowned Aaron Blanchfield to be a future champion. Yeah. There could be a a, a future where me and you are going to have to go head-to-head oh. because the women we have championed to be future champions we may have to go head-to-head. We may have to put a wager on mm. who's going to become a champion uh, if they were to ever fight or who would win that fight uh, yeah. down yeah. the line. But uh, she'll be back going on against Montana De La Rosa, someone me and you actually think a little higher of. Yeah. She's on a tough skid right now. so. Yeah. yeah. And she is a heavy, heavy underdog, despite Ooh. the fact Tatiana has not fought in four years, five years. Yeah,
1: and hasn't fought in this weight class, but, you know, it doesn't matter apparently. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, also, Canada's own Mike Malott, who I really like, is here going up against Johan Le That one shouldn't last long. F- fellow Canadian, too. Oh, I did not realize that. Mm-hmm. And then also flyweight division, but it's fought at a catch weight. Yep. Oday Osborne taking on Charles Johnson. I love watching Ode Osborne fight. I that's I a little banger. There was a moment that I really thought he could be something in that division, but then you know his last fight, he gets knocked out. It's like mm. he is a lot of fun to watch though. So don't blink in that one. So Dominic, those are four fights. What's kind of sticking out to you? Obviously, I know you have quite the uh, the lean on one of those fights in uh, yeah. Thomas Suarez. And
1: I'm going to talk about, I'm, honestly, though, I'm going to start with the co-main still because big fan of Brendan Allen, too, I am, from his Contender Series days, and what he's done this is a tough one. This is a tough fight. <clears throat> he was asking for this fight, so mad props to him for that. Andre M- Munez himself looks like a future champion, honestly. Like, this guy is a... He's probably maybe the most underrated... Or one of the most underrated ranked fighters in all of the UFC. This guy is an absolute well, beast.
0: look at like he's top ten, I think, in this division, and he's fighting Brendan Allen, who's unranked. So yeah,
1: exactly. And he is to get my math right: one, two, three, four, five and zero in the UFC. Went two and zero on the contender series. Uriah Hall, Jacare Souza, Eric Anders, His last three wins.
0: Brendan submitted, Allen submitted Jacare Souza.
1: Yes, snapped his arm, actually, to make it even worse. if I I didn't need to do that, Jacques Ray. I apologize. Don't box, by the way. Anyway, Brendan Allen, last three wins. Sam Alvey, Jacob Malcoon, Christoph Jocko. now in the PFL. Didn't even know that signing happened. Wow, I'm rambling here. This is a fun-ass fight. This yeah. is a really fun fight, but at the same time, a very big leap for Brendan Allen, I feel like. But... Maybe, just maybe, he can get it done. He is an underdog going into that. What is the odds? Minus 230, Andre Munez, Brendan Allen, plus 185. That's pretty fair. Yeah, I like that as a co-main event for those guys. Tatiana Suarez, she's back. Hasn't fought since June 8th, 2019, when she uh, beat Nina Nunez, obviously at 115 pounds. We're talking about someone that if she hasn't had knee injuries, hasn't had neck injuries, she'd probably be a champion right now. That's how good. Tatiana Suarez is there's people that are listening to this podcast that have never even seen Tatiana Suarez fight. Well tune in on Saturday night because it's going to be fun. She's 32 now though. I'm so sad that literally her perfect prime years have been taken from her, but I hope she's fully hundred percent because I think even a 32 year old Tatiana Suarez is one of the most dangerous women's fighters in the UFC. And I like this as a comeback fight. I think this is damn near perfect. If you're going up to a new weight class Montana De La Rosa at 125 is a good talent. Me and Noah, as he said, higher on her than others. I like it. I really like this as a spot for a comeback fight. And, man, if Montana can get a win here, what an upset and mm-hmm. way to, you know, tell people, hey, I'm not just some pushover. If you look at Montana's strength of schedule, it's against really, really solid competition. Macy Barber, Lipsky, Meyer Silva, Vivian uh, Rujo, I mean, Andrea Lee, she's been fighting really good talent yeah, good. and in her early UFC days, and she's still <coughs> only 28 years old. But man, Tatiana is a different beast. What if people called her for years? The female Habib. I think that says a lot, Noah. What are you expecting? If you can even set expectations, maybe it's not even fair to have expectations, But what are you predicting, I guess, for Tantiana's return here?
0: I'm glad that's the question you asked me. Now, first, it's funny you mentioned that nobody or people who are listening to this may have never seen her fight. Dominic, there is whole-ass families that have created children who are now about to start, who have (laughs) literally birthed children about to start kindergarten in the time since her last fight. Yeah. Like, this is a massive layoff. Yes. Massive. And... I'm going to tell you, I think the odds are a little inflated for that reason.
1: I do agree with that. I do.
0: Now, Montana is on a skid and the way she fought against Macy Barber was not uh, Yeah. And if Macy Barber was able to kind of bully her like that and dominate her like that, you know, what's what do you think Tatiana Suarez is going to do? I I see all of that. Yeah. And I see what's most likely going to happen here. But this is a new weight class for Tatiana. After this massive layoff due to so many injuries piling Mm -hmm. up,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: who knows what kind of product we're going to get from her here, what kind of version of herself we're going to get. Yeah. It's, it's, it's tough. I mean, I definitely think she's going to win, but I would not, I'm preparing myself now to not be as shocked as many if Montana were to pull off this upset. Well, and from a betting perspective, let's kind of, let people in on what's kind of going through
1: your brain. At least I'm imagining that this is what's going through your brain. She's a minus. What is she? Minus 750, all the way up to minus 1,000 I've even seen on some books, like minus 900. So when you look at it that way, it's not even really worth parlaying something that large. But if you want to get the odds down to like for her to win by a certain type of finish or just by finish in general, it's almost too worrisome for you to bet that. So you don't even really want to touch it from any angles. Is that kind of at least how you're thinking of it when you're looking yes. at it from a yeah. betting perspective? Yeah,
0: I would so. have much preferred her to be closer to like a minus four hundred or something. Right, and you know like, yeah. these lines are there for a reason, but yeah, um, it just makes me like there's too many ifs here. There's too yes. many that, things that we just don't know. Um, I also just want to mention for betting people out there, I, these Mike, Mike Malott, Johan Lanessi, and then O'Day Osborne, Charles Johnson. I love those fights to uh, be inside the distance, be under. I'm sure both of these, the over under is like one and a half, but mm-hmm. uh, I wouldn't mind taking the under on both of those if you want to be a little risky. So, yeah, Charles There's Johnson some- has gone. Charles Johnson's gone to his fair share of decisions, but mm-hmm. um, Odey Osborne makes up for that. <laughs> that yeah. man, that man never gets out of the first round. So.
1: Yeah, and Charles Johnson literally just fought a month ago. Like you got to think he's still probably in pretty solid shape, but Mm -hmm. it's still short notice and it's a dangerous guy. That we just love flyweights, so it should be a really fun one. Yeah,
0: agreed. Uh, Let's move on to the last segment of the show, the only segment that could really send us out, Dom, and that's with closing statements—the point of the show where we can talk about anything and everything, MMA-related or not. So, Dominic, do you have any closing statements for this episode? I
1: felt like I had something.
0: But we've talked about so much
1: these past two hours that I am I mean, do almost you want, forgetting. Do you want me to
0: go? You want me to go first? You probably should. Yeah, you probably should. I mean, it's confession time.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's, 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 that's what, what I thought I, was going
0: to happen. I, I did admit this to Dom off recording because I, I knew this was going to hurt him a little bit. So, um, look, I'm just going to come out and say it, guys. Yes, I did it. I watched Knucklemania three. And I kinda well, liked them. it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was gonna say tell them the other part. <laughs> kinda liked it. Oh. Um didn't like the Diego Sanchez part, but Yeah, boy. Yeah. But the Greg Hardy fight was fun and he got knocked out. <laughs> yeah. The main event was awesome. Let's just say I got two TVs in my living room. I'll have one on Prime on one TV. I may pay $7 for the month to watch BKFC 36 on the featuring headlined by UFC veteran Alan Belcher. So,
1: Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, and also Sunday, I will probably be watching Jake Paul versus tommy fury
1: you know it's really an interesting thing here (laughs) that we're like if you really and more specifically with the jake paul relationship man if someone were to go back and clip (laughs) all of the moments that we've discussed the paul brothers throughout the show and really the evolution of our relationship with them has been quite a roller coaster and now with the bare knuckle thing i mean kind of the same can be said not much of an evolution, but if you look at what Noah is doing now, it really is just an interesting yeah. time here that Noah going through this phase in his life is what I kind of labeled yeah. it all. For uh, that's,
0: that's one way to say it. Um, yeah. You could also word it like, you know, when you lose like a, like a pet or a family member and you have to go through the stages of grief. Right. I think I'm at the last stage with Jake Paul. I'm at the acceptance. Yeah. After and to where Anderson, we're borderline beat, excited after, to see yeah. what he does. After he beat Anderson Silva, I was like, well, that's all I said. Yeah.
1: I can't say anything now. He did the shit I mean, with the PFL. and I'm, I mean, We are at a point in our careers and with the podcast that we are intrigued slash excited to see the next moves for Jake Paul. That's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. Love it or hate a, it. You it's know?
0: a weird feeling, Dom. Yeah. That's a, one of the things about doing a podcast is you really can't hide from the way you felt. No, you it's know, really so. out there. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm sure there are some takes I had in 2018 that I was glad when we started recording in 2020 that I was like, oof, okay. glad that we weren't recording then. Same some of those early ahead. Jake Paul yeah. takes, you know, haven't aged the best. Yeah, yeah. That's the beauty. Yeah. So, Dominic, you have anything? I have quite
1: literally nothing. There's no better way to go out than by you saying what you just said.
0: Well, my name's Noah Baker. That's Dominic (laughs) Slee. We are, but just two of the below average Joes, and we'll see you guys on Monday.